Welcome to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. I'm your host, Britt Shefflin. As a former stressed-out financial services executive of a Fortune 500 firm, Teresa now guides stressed-out people-pleasers to trust themselves by discovering innate wisdom, creating incredible breakthroughs in their personal and professional lives. Breaking down the complexities of neuroscience and brain health into practical tools to evaluate performance while integrating mind and body practices, her clients learn to create balanced and healthy relationships which promote effective communication and bridges to connection. Teresa is an author and speaker, in addition to being a highly sought after coach for forward thinking individuals and organizations, as well as the founder of Becoming Aware. She is a certified professional coach and has a master's degree in consciousness and transformative psychology with an additional certificate in neuroscience. Teresa Lodato, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to Human Dreaming. So for anybody listening, hopefully you can go back to episode one of Teresa, part one of of Teresa Lodato and um, learn a lot more about neuroscience, lucid dreaming and all kinds of other fascinating things that are going on with our collective human knowledge about dreams and dream space and what is actually going on in our bodies and brains. We're going to talk a little bit about some different stuff now. And first of all, I wanted to ask you what your process is as far as dream journaling. And for example, how often do you do it? Um, Do you include drawings? What is your process like? Yeah, so when I am actively journaling about dreams, um, you know, right now I don't have my dream journal beside my bed uh, because it's more, I, I use my intuition so much in my waking life that I feel that I can get a lot of information in my waking life. Uh, dream journaling is really an incredible tool for those people who perhaps for whatever reasons, whether they have a belief or don't have the the knowledge to access the intuitive, uh, your intuitive gifts in your waking life, dream journaling is just such a powerful tool. You know, you keep your notebook beside the bed. Some people will keep a, a recorder next to their bed. It's really up to the dreamer how you like to do it. For me, turning on a light and then writing in my dream journal completely wakes me up and I won't be able to necessarily go back to sleep. So my writing in my dream journal looks worse than a physician's chicken scratch, you know, on a prescription. (laughs) Uh, But I do, you know, I will put down, I will put down information that really stands out to me or that I know will trigger something. And so it might not be a complete dream review that I write down in the middle of the night, but it might be down, uh, you know, I might put down uh, bank lobby, uh, deli, 
three men standing in triangle pattern meatball sandwich. Like that might be something that I put down in my dream journal. But when I wake up the next morning, when I'm actually ready to get up and I turn on the light or, you know, the sun's coming in through the windows, then I'll, before I do anything else, before I get on any technology, while I'm still in that um, brain state and I'm, I want being in that point and staying there allows me to fill in all the rest of the details. And so I might write down that I was wearing a red dress and the person I was talking to, you know, um, had black hair, whatever details come to me, um, I write down. Some people are, you know, just put down that brief overview. I'm kind of a storyteller. <laughs> and so I, my dreams are usually, you know, um, you know, page and a half stories because I remember so many of the details. And, you know, so there is a lot of power in, in writing down those dreams, or like I said, recording them and being able to transcribe them because that's where the dream analysis really comes in. Yes, I agree. And so dream recall very much. So this happens a lot with people who do pay attention to their dreams and are, and or are intuitive that they don't necessarily need to write them down all the way because they do have such good recall. But if you're just starting out, um, for those listening, I would highly recommend doing as detailed as a dream journal as you can because that will help you get to that point where you remember. It's kind of the same thing as if you're wandering around throughout your day just spacing out as opposed to the times you're actually paying attention to what you're thinking, feeling, you know, the sensations around you, you're going to have uh, memory of that better if you're paying attention to it as opposed to off, you know, uh, in La La Land. Um, that it's really interesting. You mentioned the chicken scratch because <laughs> my very first type of dream journaling was I would wake up in the morning and I had just like a little calendar book. So it had, you know, seven, seven days on each side. And it was so a tiny little writing and, um, I would write the same thing, like like you said, standing in line, deli, meatball sandwich, like just the basics of the dream. And I would write who I saw that day, any significant things that happened and um, what we had for dinner. And what I found after a few years of doing that is that if I picked up one of those old journals and I opened it, I could instantly be transported back to the dream to that dinner to that day and remember so many more details than anything that I wrote down and um, given how I have a much harder time remembering things now I'm thinking that that might be a good one to resurrect <laughs> yeah it's a it's amazing how the brain really can uh, when when we have an emotion a strong emotion towards something in particular, the brain takes note of that. They're like, oh, I better flag this. Like, this is meaningful, right? And so, you know, different people remember things in different ways. My husband, for example, doesn't, his experience isn't necessarily through his emotions. His, he just has amazing brain recall. He is, as he would say, the, the master of useless details. He can remember the most obscure facts and, and recall them on a moment's notice. He could be talking to a complete stranger and they could say that they're from North Carolina 
And my husband will say, oh, you know, uh, closer to Raleigh or Charleston, and then they'll name off some small town. And he'll immediately associate that with some football player that went to Duke or something and, you know, and, and be able to talk about this small college that's in this small town. He has that ability. Whereas for me, everything that I remember is tied to my emotions. And so that's the way I live my life. That's the perspective I have. So if something had an emotional charge to it, whether it was positive or negative, I'm more likely to remember it and recall it. Whereas if somebody just, you know, has this, uh, you know, a barrage of facts that they talk at me, I'm not necessarily going to remember it unless it has an emotional reaction to me. You know, if it's something that I'm like, oh yeah, that makes me think of this over here, then all of a sudden I've created this new neural connection that, you know, my brain is saying, oh, okay, this is important for me to remember. So yeah, it is interesting how different people remember things. And I think that it's important for us to recognize that there's value in both. Indeed, indeed, yeah. I'm, I'm more like you. I have more connection to uh, emotional memory. I, you know, that saying, people remember how you made them feel, As a, I'm paraphrasing, but remember how you made them feel. They don't always remember what you said or... Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yes, brains. So different type of dream journaling for different stages in like whether you're trying to be better at dream recall or whether you're like you wanting to write deeper stories where so you have a method for writing a little bit in the dark while you remember it just the key points of it and then detailing it out further so that's um that's actually not a style that we've covered on here so i'm really glad that you shared that and hopefully that can help some people uh, get around the unintentional waking that comes with turning on the light to write. So tell me about being an awareness coach, what you do with your clients and what you are processing with them. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I had another person that was talking to me about what I do here recently. And for me, I I bring it all back to those uh, levels of of consciousness, you know, Uh, unconsciously incompetent, you know, when you're at that stage, you don't know that you don't know. And then the next kind of level up is consciously incompetent, you know, you're aware that you don't know. And so you start getting curious about it. And then there's consciously or um, unconscious consciously competent which means that you're actively learning focused on on learning something and understanding and then the top layer is unconsciously competent which is you know when you can do something without even thinking about it and so i think about you know riding a bike you know at first you know as a, a child you may think oh i don't even know how to ride a bike i'm not even interested in it you know i don't know that i don't know and then you start to you know ride the bike and you're like wow there's a lot of steps to this and i can't quite get my feet pedaling as well as you know maneuvering the handlebars and staying on top of my bike and then the next level of being consciously competent you're actively thinking okay i need to move my feet around the pedals 
and maintain my balance while I'm keeping the handlebars steering in the direction I want to go. And then pretty soon you get to unconsciously competent where you don't even think about it. You just get on the bike and you ride, right? <laughs> and so that really is the process that I'm noticing um, with my clients is that the unconsciously incompetent, they don't come to me. <laughs> Because they have no curiosity that, you know, oh, wow, there's something going on. I've had this experience, you know, I've had a lucid dream or, um, you know, a, I'd, I'd say that my clients typically come to me and I've never actually broken this down. It would, it would actually be a good thing for my, uh, for one of my VAs to do is to go through and figure out what percentage of people come in at the different stages for me, because the clients that come in at that consciously incompetent they realize something's going on but they're not quite sure to do with it you know and maybe they've looked at other avenues and they haven't quite figured out um, no one's been able to satiate their curiosity um, i get a lot of those clients and and at that level i'm really working with them to develop that neutral observer perspective um, you know, that's a big focus, um, you know, focusing on presence exercises, really getting present, which also feeds into that neutral observer perspective, um, some light meditation work, you know, there are certain people that are challenged by meditating, they think it has to be a certain way. Meditation is really just about being able to have a little bit more direction over your body, you know, being able to calm yourself to recognize once again that neutral observer perspective of being able to see things in a little bit different way not being so immersed in it uh, so that's pretty much what i do at at that level with clients the next level up where you are consciously competent you know i might be working with people more in depth about their dreams you know they recognize that their dreams have significance they're able to have that they have more experience with that neutral observer perspective and so their dream lives kind of open up it's almost like opening a book and they can see so much more and take that information in uh you know i'll, I'll start working with them around grounding exercises um, once again really dropping into the body and creating those neural pathways to access the information more readily throughout their bodies. And then of course, the clients that come to me that are unconsciously competent are already aware that they have some gifts. They're just looking to uh, really refine them or figure out how they can make better use of them in all areas of their life. So, you know, that's why I consider myself an awareness coach, you know, for years, you know, I've had, I've called myself different things over the years, you know, I first started out coaching, I was an executive and relationship coach, and then, you know, leadership and relationship, and then integrated leadership and relationship. What I've re realized, you know, over these years is that what I'm really helping people with is their awareness. You know, my company is becoming aware and it's that for a reason, because there are so many different portals to where we can access this information. You know, if you are more mentally dominant, you know, I can talk to you on a neuroscience perspective, you know, and we can discuss how your brain's actually working, what it's doing with information, you know, 
how what emotions are coming up and how it's stimulating the release of certain hormones that are impacting your life and then we can go on from there if someone comes uh that's more body aware you know they have more of a body perspective i can speak to them you know from the psychology perspective you know here's what's going on in your body you know somatically this is how we're doing this and this is why we're doing it um, and then there's people that come to me that are more spiritually connected. That's their perspective. You know, then I can talk to you openly about intuition, about, you know, subconscious and and how everything is is integrating, you know, so really, no matter where clients come, you know, why they come to me or, or, or um, what stage they're at, I meet them where you are on your journey of becoming aware. Because for me, it's not about having to get everyone to a specific point, because I, I don't think that there is a right way or a wrong way. I feel that all paths are valid and all paths are going to inform me and you as to where you are on your journey. Um, so it's really about becoming aware of where you are in your life, what your needs are, what your desires are, and then helping you to grow. So really helping you to deepen and broaden what your strengths are and your gifts are so that you can be more impactful and more empowered in every aspect of your life. Because, you know, there's also this idea that so many people have that when they're at work, they're one person. And when they're at home, they're another person. And, you know, I'm a certified DISC um, uh, consultant, you know, where you go over the different personality, you take a test, it's kind of a, a personality assessment. And it really highlights how you are at work and how you are separate. And, you know, when I work with clients in that arena, it's really about how do we bring you together so that you're authentically you both at work and in your home like, because that's going to provide you a lot more energy. You know, you're from a neuroscience perspective, you have a body budget. And so if you are draining yourself by being inauthentic, by wearing a mask, by being, you know, forcing yourself to be a certain way when you're around certain people, that actually requires a lot more energy on your body, which can drain you and, and trigger you into stress more readily. Whereas when you are authentically yourself in all situations, your body can reserve that energy for more necessary things, allows you to stay more calm, allows you to be more present, uh, connect more deeply with others. And so really that awareness, you know, once again, that neutral observer, understanding how your brain, body, and, and uh, soul really work together can provide you a more effortless experience in life, getting better results with less effort and more joy. And that's really what I focus on with my clients. Yes. So would you say that the, the top layer, the unconscious competence is that would that be akin to a flow state or muscle memory yeah definitely it's that it's when you don't even have to think about doing something you know you get into a car and drive you know as you are an experienced driver time can just go by you can slip easily into that default mode network because your body your muscle memory your your brain already knows what to do 
you know, when you're driving along. And, and so, yes, it can be that flow state and it can also be that daydreaming state to where you maybe aren't necessarily in control. Um, you know, any kind of menial task, something that, you know, vacuuming can offer that standing in the shower and soaping your body. You don't have to think about doing any of that stuff. And so that's why some of our greatest inspiration comes at those times when you're in the shower, when you're vacuuming, when you're driving on a long, you know, trip and it's just open road. Um, you know, it's, it's being able to tap into that state at will that becomes really powerful. And so those clients that come to me that are at that unconsciously competent stage, it's really about honing, okay, here are all the different ways that you're already doing this. You're already aware of some of the gifts that you have within yourself. How can we deepen that and broaden that? How can we make it more relevant so that when you're in the moment, whether it's a stressful moment or a calm moment, you have the practice, the skills to be able to make those uh, intuitive, receive that in intuitive information so that you can be informed. You know, case in point, uh, you know, I am by no means perfect, by any means. I'm still learning, I'm still practicing, I'm still growing. However, I know that I'm very in touch with my intuitive gifts. My husband and I, during the COVID pandemic, were looking at some property to buy um, in this area where, uh, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful area and we wanted, there's a, a lake in this, in this community and we wanted to purchase a home uh, on the lake. That, that was our dream is on the lake. And we saw this property come up and it had a view of the lake. It was actually across the road from the homes that were actually on the lake. And we went up and we took a look at the home and, and my husband asked me, okay, you know, what do you think we should do? You know, tap into your intuition. Tell me, you know, what, what are you picking up? It only took me a moment to drop in. You know, I didn't have to go through uh, a process about sitting down and meditating for a half an hour or, or falling asleep and writing it in my dream journal. I didn't have to go through those processes because I am unconsciously competent in this area. I just dropped in, did a couple deep breaths, tapped into that area within myself. And my husband had asked me, what do you think this house is gonna sell for? So that was the question. How much is this house going to sell for? And I immediately dropped in within a minute, I had 289,000. And I was like, okay, the house, you know, what I'm getting is that the house is gonna sell for 289,000. The house needed a bunch of work. And so, you know, my husband said, should we make an offer? And I said, well, I feel as though we've got something better that's available. However, if you wanna make an offer, we'll make an offer. And so I structured the offer where it was 289,000. However, they also had to pay for putting on a brand new deck, which was going to be 30 or 40,000. They countered the offer by saying, you know, take off 5,000 and we just backed away. We said, okay, this isn't our place. And two weeks later, we had, we had already purchased a piece of property on the lake. So we're actually going to be building our home on that property that I feel really good about. However, we went back to look at that home sale. It sold for 289,000. And whether or not they're, you know, they had to pay for the decks or what have you, I have no idea, but the house actually sold for 289,000. So I think that's another thing that I bring in for, for those listening that are in touch with their intuitive gifts, whether you access it through dreaming or through, um, you know, the waking life 
is that really being specific about how you ask the question and, and asking it in a neutral way that is going to bypass your emotions. I think a lot of times a reason why people don't trust themselves is because of the way they're asking questions. You know, they're either asking questions that are loaded with judgment. You know, should I do this? Do I need this? Um, do I have to do this? All of those questions, the, those manners in which you're asking those questions are filled with judgment. Having it be more neutral, what is this going to do? How would this impact my life? You know, by buying this house, how would it imp impact my life? How would it impact my finances? How would it impact my family? Those are much stronger questions that you can use in dreaming. So, you know, one of the things that I learned in uh, grad school as far as, um, you know, across the different ways that you can dream is asking yourself, writing a question in your dream journal and then allowing your dreams to respond to that. You know, when you first wake up or go to bed, when you're in that area where you have access, more direct access to your subconscious, you can also ask it in that state. You know, what would it be like if I were to move to this home, you know, and write down the address? What would, how would that impact my life? That's a great question to ask and then be able to take the information from the dream, maybe over like the next three nights of dreaming, keep asking that same question. And then you can access your subconscious that way, um, you know, or you can do it in your waking life through meditation, you can do it through intuition. So uh, some examples and also some, you know, information that I think is also important for people to know so that they learn to trust themselves through their dreams or through whatever way you're accessing that subconscious information. Yes, and um, it is really interesting that you are able to get people to shift their consciousness consciously, if that makes sense. So they're not just following the train of thought through their mind. They're actually able to decide consciously going, I'm going to go from tunnel vision to a wide expanse where I'm going to go into the neutral observer position and look at things from this perspective and that perspective and then that way they're able to, ut to utilize that information uh, while well, seeing it from different perspectives but also just to decide when and where they want to be in that and yeah so that developing those spaces and those skills where you can be in that unconscious confidence space is uh, yeah it's very helpful I only have a few areas in my life where I feel like I have access to that, but I know just enough to know what you're talking about. And I'm sure it must be incredibly helpful for people to have more and more access to that. Yeah, that's the power of integration in your brain, for sure. Yes. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing all about what you do and your dream journaling process. And I think we will go ahead and move on to section three. So. Anybody listening, we have more of Teresa Lodato coming right up on our next episode. Thank you so much. We are supported by Human Dreaming, the Dynamics of Dream Interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com, the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. 
For dream share or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and please join us again next week.